All right, my mom uh, is up to share the word of God, so let's welcome her as she comes this morning. My dad's in Yorkton today, setting in some elders in our Lifelinks Church in in Yorkton this morning, but uh, mom is here. Yeah, I'll take this one. Oh, okay, you can see that. (laughs) Good morning, everyone. Watch me spill this. I guess no loose, oops, no Lucille Ball moments. That's good, not yet anyway. Well, good morning, good morning. Last Sunday when Dave was here, he mentioned the four foundation stones of relationships, trust, love, respect, and understanding. And then he told you to listen to Tanya Foster's message on on trust because it was so good he couldn't repeat what she said. And he spent the time speaking on love. Well, today... I want to talk to you about the last two stones, uh, the area of respect and understanding. How many of you would say that there is a real attack by the enemy of our souls on relationships today? How many think that's true? Yeah, me too. In the nations of the world, brother against brother, in families, and unfortunately, even in the body of Christ. So I want to talk to you today, first of all, about understanding the times that we live in. In 1 Chronicles 12, 32, God distinguishes the sons of Issachar from the ranks because of their unusual gift to be able to discern the times. It says, of the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do, the chiefs were 200 and all their kinsmen were at their command. These men were part of the mighty men who helped David in war. The gift of discernment and understanding is valuable in times of uncertainty. Would you agree? They were men who understood the world around them. And since most problems in the world are relational problems, we need to be people who understand the world around us and what's happening in us so that you and I will know what to do and how to live in this world. In Matthew 24... Verses 4 to 14, it says, Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And the end will come. Does this portion of scripture sound like some of the times that we're living in right now? Nation against nation, famines, earthquakes, Christians being hated by the world, people turning from their faith, betraying and hating each other, great deception, increase in wickedness, no love. You just have to turn on the news 
And as Christians, we keep saying, well, at least I do. What's this world coming to anyway? Have people and governments lost their brains? Or am I the only one saying that? Days of calling good evil and evil good. People are going to hate us and think that they're doing God a favor. In 2 Timothy 3, it says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. You're saying, Linda, this message is sounding depressing. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. This doesn't sound like the characteristics of people who can build good relationships to me. It doesn't sound like the messages that we've heard so far from our Sunday speakers and the ones that we've been speaking on the video on the relationship series on trust, honesty, forgiveness, honor, gossip, conflict resolution, love. It sounds like the opposite to me. Well, what are we to do? Because it says people who understand the times will know what to do. Well, the first thing I think that we need to do is we don't allow the spirit of the world or the teachings of the world to creep into our relationships. Not in our homes and not in our personal relationships with others. The world must not trump the Bible's teachings in this area. Jesus and his teachings and the way of life that Jesus modeled are the answer to the world's problems. In 2 Timothy, it says, 2 Timothy 3, all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture That's God's word that's profitable to teach us how to relate to one another. Not our culture, not new age teaching, not Buddhism, not Hinduism, not Muslim teaching, not the Book of Mormon, not the Hollywood celebrities, not our neighbors, but the Holy Bible. Amen? You know what? There are many kinds of good, uh, good, kind people that are believing these teachings But the truth is, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And they can't come to the Father except by me. Am I sounding narrow-minded? Yes, very narrow. Because Matthew 7 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wise is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. You know, it's interesting that yesterday I was sent a little clip of YouTube about a little old lady like me, a little granny who was on YouTube. And she was speaking to a school board. I don't know how many of you saw that. But she said, I'm not fighting you. She said, I'm fighting the evil in this world and the ideologies that are harmful to society. And that's how way I feel this morning as I'm sharing this word. Secondly, don't allow culture to trump the Bible teachings in relationships. Your culture must be in line with God's word. 
And then your culture will be okay if it's in line with God's word. Dave and I have traveled to many countries in the world in our lifetime. And it hasn't been to see the tourist spots. It's been to see how the real people live in those countries. And we've seen how culture, we've seen how false religions and beliefs can affect people's lives and the relationships in their family between husbands and wives and pastors and congregations. In Nepal, fear and anxiety, superstition and sickness plagued many of the families because of the influence of demon gods that they were looking to. And I was so shocked at how they were just everywhere. Restaurants, homes, streets... And Ram Shander, who uh, Doug Paradise's uh, disciple in the Lord, and who Joel and, and Anatoly and Dave and I have ministered with, he shared how these things have affected um, even his own relationships with his own family before they became Christians. And in Hong Kong, I remember one time I was teaching a, a word on women in, women in the workplace. And with, when I prayed with these women after teaching them, several of them were crying because they were either a mistress in a relationship or they were a wife who was upset because her husband had a mistress. And it was destroying those women and their families. But it was an acceptable cultural thing and shocked me how prevalent it was. And then another time I was in Uganda and I was trying to teach on pastoring together as husband and wife teams in the ministry to a group of pastors and wives. And the questions and the comments I kept getting really surprised me. One pastor's wife said she and her children were always late for church because her husband, the pastor, would go and pick up other women on his, on his motorbike and he would get them to church while they walked. And another said... I'm not even allowed to have a voice in the church. And then my husband came to me after, and he said, Linda, I was finding similar things with the pastors themselves in his session. And he said the way they saw their wives, the way they related to them, and what they were allowed to do and not to do. And so Peter and Irene and Dave and I, um, Peter and Irene are our Ugandan ministry partners there, we, we decided to go in a totally different direction than we'd planned that afternoon and address some of these things. And we had the pastors and the wives together for that session. And the four of us began to share from God's word on husband and wife relationships in the ministry, how to relate to one another, how to relate to the congregation. And many pastors humbled themselves at the end of the session and said, we have never heard these things before. And when they saw what God's word said, they were repenting and making things right with their wives. And they wanted to take their churches in, different, in a different direction. Because culture was trumping God's word and, that said there, and they said, this is going to change. These relationships are going to change. So we just praise God for that. And the third thing that we need to do, people, is we need to battle for our family. Because as the family goes, so goes the nation. And so goes the whole world in which we live. Healthy families are the building blocks of a healthy society. And family is the foundation on which values are built. Family plays a crucial role even in the success of individuals. So is it any wonder that the family, as we see it biblically, is being attacked in these days? Micah 7, 6, the New King James Version, talks about days when the family unit is experiencing attack. For son dishonors father, daughter rises against her mother, 
daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. See, in our homes, husbands or relationships between husband and wives, parents and their children, between siblings, come under attack. And when that happens, we can feel like our enemies are right in our own house. Well, what do we do in light of this? We fight for our families. Just as Sanballat and the enemies of Judah were attacking them, Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 4.14, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. All the time remembering that we are not fighting flesh and blood in our homes. We are fighting against principalities and powers of this dark world. Well, how do we fight? First of all, we fight in prayer. Warfare prayer. We fight against witchcraft, deceiving spirits, spirit of this world, for our marriages, for our prodigal youth and young adults, and our confused children. Is it easy No, warfare is hard. It's painful. And we get wounded in our relationships at times because war is never easy. But our God is on our side and victory will be worth it. Perseverance and persistence in prayer is what is required of us. Secondly, we fight our enemy by living with one another in a respectful, understanding way. You see, we need to come in the opposite spirit from the world. Every family has disagreements, challenges that must be resolved in the light of God's word. And there's power in respect and understanding in relationships. But to gain respect, we have to give respect. To be understood, we have to understand. And God has instructions for Christian households in his word. In Ephesians 5.21, it says, We are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit means to give or yield over to the power of another. And if we were just to look at the first part of the verse, we go, yikes, I have to submit to your power and authority over me? No, we don't just submit to another person. We yield to Jesus. We are submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of God. And there's a healthy mutual submission and respect that takes place when individuals are wholly submitted to respect the authority of Christ in their life. Well, let's look first of all at husband and wife relationships. I want to talk about this submission to one another here. But you can apply these principles to any relationship. In Ephesians 5, wives are told to submit and respect to their husband, to submit to and respect their husbands. Does this mean that husbands don't submit and respect their wives? No, of course not. Paul tells the church in Ephesians 5.26 that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Husbands are to submit to their wives' need to feel loved. Ephesians 5.21 says we mutually submit. So the wife submits to her her husband's need to feel respected as well as a husband submitting to her need to feel loved. And research reveals that during marital conflicts, a husband most often reacts when feeling disrespected, and a wife reacts when feeling unloved. And though we all need love and respect equally, these are the felt needs that differ during a conflict. 
But what might happen if we submit to one another's felt needs during an argument or a relationship conflict? Girls, I think it would mean getting our point across respectively rather than with contempt and insult. And guys, it would mean communicating your points lovingly, not with defensiveness or harshness and anger. Then in 1 Peter 3, 1, it says, it says, wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Well, what does it mean, in the same way, be submissive? Well, it's comparing it to Christ's attitude right in the chapter before it, in 1 Peter 2, 23, how when he had insults, uh, insults and threats hurled at him, and when he had suffered, he did not retaliate, but he entrusted himself into God's hands. Unconditional respect is a wife's secret power to influence in her marriage. You see, in 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, Husbands, in the same way, You husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life, so your prayers will not be hindered. In the same way, husbands, in the same way as your wives need to submit to you following Christ's example, you need to follow Christ's example too and submit to her need to be understood and honored and respected. You submit to the loving duty of being sensitive to her needs, her fears, and her feelings. And husband and wives, when you respect and honor one another in this way, trusting yourself into God's hands as Jesus did, nothing will hinder your prayers, it says. And when you make your husband or wife a priority rather than a project, you're going to find that a marriage based on mutual respect and understanding will experience God's power. Well, let's look for a minute here at parent and child relationships. Because parenting, I believe, is one of the most important callings. And scripture says in Psalm 127, children are a gift and blessing from God to us. But let's be honest. Parenting can be a tough role to play in this age of entitlement. What does God's word say about our relationships to our children with respect and understand, to do with respect and understanding them? Because just as wives often say about their husbands, my husband doesn't understand me. Well, youth often say about their parents, my parents don't understand me. And more than ever in this day, in this day of entitlement and gender confusion, and it's confusion because the enemy brings confusion, more than ever in this day that I described to you at the start of the message, we are saying, who are you to to our children and grandchildren, right? Colossians 3.21 says, Parents, don't provoke your children in a way that ends up discouraging them. And Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Some translations say, don't exasperate them. In 1 Timothy 3.4, where it is talking about a man seeking to be an elder or a bishop, it says, He must rule his own household well keeping his children under control with true dignity, commanding their respect in every way. Note that it says commanding their respect, um, but not demanding it, right? Commanding it with dignity. Galatians 6.1 says to restore individuals in a spirit of gentleness. 
That means not yelling at them when they've made a mistake, but rather being a gentle guide towards understanding so that they learn from their mistakes rather than letting it overwhelm them. You see, if we act in a sinful way towards our children and have violated the integrity of them as a person in the areas of life where they have expectations to be treated right, then they can have a righteous anger. That's different from them being mad at you for not letting them um, do something that they wanted to do or that, that isn't in their best interest at the time, like little children not letting them eat too much candy and older one not letting them watch a certain TV show. But being being conscious of, are we being understanding of them? Husbands, respect the mother of your children. And the wives must respect the father of our children in front of them. In doing so, oops, am I off here? There. There we go. Okay. Oh, that devil's everywhere, eh? Okay. <laughs> Not always the devil. It was probably Linda Press or something wrong. I don't know. Anyway, where was I here? Okay. Husbands. I, I always want to start with husbands. Dave's not here. Husbands, respect the mother of your children. And wives, we must respect the father of our children in front of them. Because in doing so, it will help our children to keep their father's commands and not forsake their mother's teaching. That there will be a lamp to their light, to a lamp to light their way in the future. That's what all Proverbs talks about in Proverbs 6. And children and young people... You have to understand what your parents' role is in their relationship with you. Your parents bear the responsibility to act for the benefit of you in areas of provision, protection, wise instruction, and discipline, but most of all to guide you to a saving faith in Christ and set you on a path to maturity where you can fulfill your God-given destiny. You see, youth, your part is to be respectful and understanding of this and to be obedient to them. In Ephesians 6, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Paul here is just reiterating one of the Ten Commandments about children obeying their parents and honoring their father and mother. In Proverbs 15, 20, it says, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. So show wisdom by loving your parents, young people. Mouthy and sarcastic children who demean or belittle their parents' leadership and decision-making are clearly on a path to destruction like David's son Absalom was. Be understanding of the times, parents. Be understanding of the times, young people, where we read about in 1 Timothy 3 that in these last days, people will be disobedient to parents, ungrateful and without love, slanderous and unforgiving, and don't let that be you. Don't get caught up with the culture of this world. Get caught up in the Jesus culture. You see, we see that it's like a covenant between parents and children where each party has an obligation to the other. And when we understand this and respect God's word with regards to this covenant, the result is harmonious, and it's mutually beneficial. And remember too, folks, as we get older, we're still mothers and fathers. We still have children, and many of us still have mothers and fathers alive to show respect and understanding too. 
Let's look for a minute at relating to those in authority, because Romans 13 speaks all about how we're to do this. Let's just read verse 1. Romans 13.1 in the NIV says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. In 1 Timothy 2 it says, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. In Hebrews 13 it says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they're accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow, because that would certainly not be for your benefit. But from these verses, we're to understand that God has put government in place in the land and in the church. And we are to respect these positions, obeying the laws of the land, praying for our government and church leaders, because they're going to have to answer to God. And in a local church, though, I want you to understand that respect and honor must flow both ways. Pastors are to love the flock of God. They're to respect them and hear from them, lay down their lives for the flock that they're serving. Because they're God's under-shepherds. And they're not to fleece the flock. They're not to be overbearing to them. But they're to live with them in an understanding way. To see how this scripture is full of this mutual respect back and forth for one another. Okay, what are some practical ways to show respect and understanding in relationships? I want to just share a few of them with you. Honor or respect is recognizing someone's value or worth. And we honor and respect people because people are God's highest creation. You see, in our relationships with people, we need to do these things to show respect and honor them. First of all, there's acceptance. This is receiving people in a way that tells them they're important and valuable by taking people into your confidence, explaining why you were doing certain things, getting their input in certain situations, or sharing good and bad news with them. You know what that does? It says, they accept me. But if we never do those things with people, it's like, they don't accept me. And secondly, affirmation. Affirming people's strengths and abilities um, to enhance their self-worth. To give them confidence. Thirdly, appreciation. Let them know that they are valuable to you. That you appreciate them being your life. You know, you can sometimes you can do that with little notes or with gifts. But it's, it's even better just to say it right to their face. Admiration. This is stronger than appreciation. You admire their giftings. You admire their character. You admire the example they set and let them know that. Acknowledgement. Give the person recognition and praise publicly before others for services rendered, for jobs well done, for care given. Didn't our worship team do a good job this morning? Amen. They were really, they picked all my favorite songs and didn't even know it. And then... Sixthly, allowance. Allow people to make decisions you would not make. Have opinions that you would not have. Make mistakes that you would not make. But, and to follow the dictates of their own conscience. And then let's look at the area of understanding. Because in our relationships with people, we need to be understanding. Um, it says in Proverbs 4, 7, 
Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Every person, every person has a deep-seated need to be understood. Well, how do we become more understanding in relationships? We get to know people. And, and, and we have to let them get to know us. How can you ever understand where they're coming from if you don't know people? We need to become vulnerable to that other person. We need to get to know the real person. Like my husband's always said, every time I meet the real person, I always like them. It's when you don't meet the real one, right? Knowing someone is dependent upon self-disclosure. Create an atmosphere. Number two, create an atmosphere of mutual trust and acceptance with people. People need to feel secure to become transparent with you. They need to feel safe to share their feelings, that you're not, they're not going to be jumped on, they're not going to experience sarcasm, they're not going to be made fun of, and that you can keep the things that they want confidential, confidential. And number three, try to understand before trying to be understood. Did you notice that we have a stronger desire to be understood than to understand the other person? And it can take time to really understand another person. I've been married to my husband for 54 years this August, and we went together for four years before that. So, man, we're almost ready for a 60th. Well, not really. But there are still are days that I say to Dave, you don't understand me. And guys, just so the time when you think you have us all figured out, we fool you. So note that understanding someone does not mean that we must always agree with them. We don't have to always agree with somebody to understand them. And number four, listen to people with curiosity. Because you're wanting to learn instead of judgment. And don't make it about you. Listen fully and intently absorbing what is being said to you, not thinking about the next response that you're going to make. Number five, learn to listen beyond the words that are being said. That's being sensitive, discerning, and considerate. People have deep emotional needs. People have fears. People have gone through trauma sometimes in their lives. So hear what is not being said. And then number six, Practice empathy. Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of others. I was so blessed at our life group this week because one fellow, he was talking about empathy. And I thought, this is going to fit in my message. I wrote it down right away. And he said, when he was dealing in a situation in his home, he said he told his mom, he said, "I, I don't really know how you feel. Help me to understand And I thought, yeah, that's what empathy is. It involves compassion. And he said, I was looking for common ground with the other person. That was so good. Listen, number seven, listen to the Holy Spirit's promptings in your relationships. Because if you're busy talking or getting angry in a conflict or relational problem, you're going to miss what God is wanting to speak to you or to speak through you to that other person. And shouldn't that be the most important thing in our life, that we want to hear God's commentary on our life, that we want to hear his voice, what the Holy Spirit is saying to me personally, and how to speak to the other person? Because that is wisdom. That's understanding when we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. So let's practice James 1.19. I love this in the Amplified. 
It says, understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone be quick to hear, be a careful, thoughtful listener, slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words, and slow to anger, patient, reflective, and forgiving. You see, church family, you and I cannot do for the other person. We can't make our husband or our wife or our children or a church member, or our employee, our neighbor, who, whatever, we can't make them to be more respectful. We can't make them be more understanding. But you know what? I can do for me, and you can do for you. I can be more understanding. I can choose to be more respectful. I can choose to be more forgiving. And if we start doing that, if everybody starts doing that, we don't have a problem then, do we? So let's build our relationships here at Harvest City Church on these four foundation stones. Trust, love, respect, and understanding that we read about in God's word. And let's be that light that's shining in this dark world. Let's be in an opposite spirit from what we see. And as we do that, our our lights will shine brighter and brighter. And I believe then we can bring answers to the world. Amen? Joel, would you like to come? All right, thank you, Mom. I should have brought my notepad there. <clears throat> Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? We'll close in prayer. <clears throat> Lots to chew on there. Father, I thank you that you give us a clear way to live from your word. And and God, I pray that you would give us the grace to handle ourselves in the way that you've called us to handle ourselves. God, we want to be people that reflect your word in the midst of a culture who does not. God, we want to be those people that give grace and love and forgive and honor and respect, even perhaps when we're not receiving it in return. That's tough to do. And so Lord, help us Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Without it, we don't have the power or the grace to do it. Lord, I thank you for all the things that you've been showing us and teaching us over the coming weeks. Lord, let us not just be hearers of the word, but help us to be doers as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, bless you, church. Make sure you grab a coffee on your way out the door. And uh, have a great week, everyone. Hey everyone, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We hope you enjoyed it and found something that spoke to you or blessed you in some way. That really is the heart of Harvest City Church, that you take what you've heard, learned, or experienced here, and then go out and share that good news with others. So go ahead and post this video to your page, start conversations, and who knows the lives that God could transform through it. If we can support you in some way in this season, please let us know. Maybe you've decided to dedicate your life fully to Jesus. We want to hear about it and celebrate with you and help you in those first steps. Connecting in to share the joys and the struggles of life is why we're here. Finding community is super important too. So if you're wondering about any of our programs for kids, youth, or adults, just reach out to us by phone or at the link below and we'll be in touch. To all of those who are partnering financially with us, 
thank you for your investment into the kingdom of God. It allows us to do what he's calling us to and reach even more people. For more info on that, go over to harvestconnect.ca slash give. If you haven't already, be sure to check out our live stream chat area at harvestconnect.ca slash live. It's a great place for interaction, commenting, prayer with our online hosts, and more. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our social pages and all that good stuff too. Take care, keep living your call, and we'll see you again real soon.